So there were all these things that had led to all of a sudden me feeling like, wait a minute, what happened to that egalitarian relationship? And you know, how did we get here? And so I feel like a lot of my comics have been kind of unpacking that and sharing kind of my journey coming back from that, like clawing my way back from like this place where I felt completely alone, despite having this partner who I love so much and who has always been my partner, you know? And so I think that's, that's the message that I started with is kind of like wanting to explore that. Why do even the most egalitarian feminist minded couples still find themselves, maybe not as far as we got, but in this place of um, inequality or kind of more um, traditional gender-ish roles in marriage and motherhood. Hello and welcome to the Feminist Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Spar. I'm a licensed therapist, feminist, and mother of two. Join me and my guests each week as we chat about what it's like mothering in today's society. We'll point out the double standards mothers face and unpack the conflicting societal messages we receive. We'll name out loud how the patriarchy and other systems of oppression impact our experiences of motherhood. This podcast is for you if you appreciate honest and smart conversations that will validate your experiences, promote discussion, and empower you to mother on your own terms. Welcome back to the Feminist Mom Podcast. I'm so thrilled today to be sharing this conversation that I had with Mary Catherine Starr. Mary Catherine is a mother of two and a graphic designer, illustrator, yoga teacher, and the artist behind the Instagram account, Mom Life Comics. Mary Catherine's work focuses on the challenges of marriage, motherhood, double standards, and inequality in both the household and the workplace. She is passionate about speaking up for women and bringing awareness to the mental load and invisible labor of motherhood. Mary Catherine lives in Massachusetts with her family and her son's large collection of plastic dinosaurs. Mary Catherine Starr is um, somebody who I've been following for a little while in, on Instagram and I feel like has had such a huge reach and impact in really helping to highlight um, the double standards that mothers and fathers experience in our society. And her comics are such a great way of really literally illustrating um, some of the feelings that, and experiences we have that can be so helpful seen kind of drawn out in literally in black and white or in color. It's so helpful um, and validating. So I was super excited to talk to her and we talk all about her experience as a mother and particularly a very relatable experience of going from kind of assuming that her relationship would be egalitarian, that it had been prior to becoming parents and that her and her husband found themselves in these like traps, as she says, um, that really we can kind of trace back to our society. And part of um, my own experience in kind of really naming myself as the feminist mom therapist was really not only my own experience, but sitting with so many mothers in therapy sessions and really hearing 
very similar stories. Um, and so this isn't everybody's experience, but I think it's a really common one that obviously folks relate to. And um, Mary Catherine has some great insights about kind of what she's learned through the work, her art, and um, the conversations she's been having since starting her account. So um, this is a great relatable conversation and I hope you enjoy. Hello, I am here with Mary Catherine Starr. Um, Mary Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Oh, this is such a treat. You, I, you know, people who are listening will definitely recognize your comics. Um, and you talk all about the experience of motherhood and marriage, the difficulties there and the the double standard. So um, I've been following you for, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but it feels like forever. So I'm, <laughs> Only I'm, a couple years, but thank you. <laughs> a couple years. Somehow everything started in the pandemic and yeah. it feels like forever since, since the beginning of the pandemic. So. It does. <laughs> Um, well, why don't you go ahead and just kind of let us know about where you are in your motherhood journey and a little bit about your work. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because my kids just turned four and seven. So I feel like I'm all of a sudden in this like different stage, but I started, you know, making these comics when they were much younger. And when I was really in the throes of like the deep early, you know, uh, really hard, (laughs) somewhat miserable days of motherhood. And, um, So they were, you know, when I started making the comics, they were really an outlet for some of my frustrations, some of my, um, some of what I thought was just like the most ridiculous parts of motherhood, some of the stuff I just didn't expect that then became reality. And a lot of that for me was kind of based around the inequalities that I was seeing in my own relationship and home. And also, of course, just in society and our cultural as a, our culture as a whole. Um, But my kind of personal journey with it is that when before having kids, I was in what I felt was a very egalitarian relationship, very feminist. You know, um, my husband, I feel is a feminist. I don't know if he would call himself that, but he knows what a feminist is and he agrees with everything that a feminist is. Um, and I was, you know, always identified as a feminist. And I felt like we were, you know, a modern couple. I felt like every, we know we both did our own laundry. We did all the dishes together every night, you know, together side by side, like singing songs and talking. And, you know, it was like, we shared all the household tasks. And I just felt like, you know, we had it figured out. And then when we had kids without it, without me realizing it, it wasn't like a night and day. It was like a slow fade, like a slow kind of slide down into these really traditional gender roles, despite us both working outside the home. And I I mean, maybe it's wrong to say really traditional because I think, you know, he's still, he was still very, I mean, he took 12 weeks paternity leave. Like he was still very involved from the beginning. He did way more than, you know, past generations did. But I just felt like it was like, you know, a year or so into being a mother, I realized like, wait, I'm, I'm carrying the whole mental load of the household. I'm, you know, I'm working just as much as him, you know, I actually work from home, but I'll say outside of the home for clarity. Um, You know, I'm working just as much as him outside of the home. And yet I'm still doing all the laundry for our child, you know, not his, but like the, all the household laundry, all of her laundry. I'm still doing all the cleaning. I'm still doing all the scheduling, you know, all the things that everyone knows make up the mental load of motherhood. And I felt like you know, we also had all these dynamics in the early days where, she, you know, she wouldn't take a bottle and it was really hard for him to be alone with her. And she was kind of colicky and needy. And so there were all these things that had led to all of a sudden me feeling like, wait a minute, what happened to that egalitarian relationship? And 
you know, how did we get here? And so I feel like a lot of my comics have been kind of unpacking that and sharing kind of my journey coming back from that, like clawing my way back from like this place where I felt completely alone, despite having this partner who I love so much and who has always been my partner, you know? And so I think that's, that's the message that I started with is kind of like wanting to explore that. Why do even the most egalitarian feminist minded couples still find themselves, maybe not as far as we got, but in this place of um, inequality or kind of more um, traditional gender ish roles in marriage and motherhood? Yes. It's a really long answer to your question, but <laughs> that was a great answer. No, that's a, that's yes. And it's so funny because as you're talking about that, I'm like nodding and relating mm-hmm. to even that experience, right? Yeah. Of starting off with this, you know, modern man who mm-hmm. was not afraid to do the dishes and do the domestic work. And that felt really good. But there is something about this transition to being parents that yeah. really does kind of pull us. And clearly, whoops, Clearly, you've had um, a lot of people resonating with you. What's that been like as you've been kind of going through your own exploration to kind of have that mirrored back by folks who follow you? Well, it's interesting because it's like it's both really comforting and really sad. So I'm like, I'm so comforted that I'm not alone. And that's been really what's kind of galvanized me is like, oh, like I got this sense of connection with so many other women. And I, because I felt that at first, I just felt like, you know, am I failing? Like, do I just suck at this? You know, and I'm sure a lot of moms you speak to say that, like, is there something wrong with me that this is so hard for me? Like, is it my anxiety? Is it my personality? Like, why am I not fit for this? Why can't I just do it all? I thought we were supposed to be able to. And So I think at first I felt that way. And then as I started to share more about it, and of course, you know, saw that like everyone felt this way or everyone who's following me, then I was like, okay, I'm not the only one that felt great. But then I was also kind of pissed off about that. Like, wait, so this is such an issue, you know, worldwide. I mean, when one of my first comics went kind of viral that, you know, started connecting me with more people, I was, I mean, I got messages from women in over 40 countries. I mean, at one point I was keeping a list because they were saying like, me too. This happens in, this is exactly the same here. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought this was just like maybe like a middle-class white woman issue in our country, you know, because that's what I am, right? So sure. I just assumed. And no, it's like, it's everyone from all walks of life, all cultures. It's like, it's so, it's it's just, it's a, it's a huge issue. And so I think then I felt really that it was like, that made me really angry and really sad for how many of us are out there feeling this way and feeling stuck and feeling overwhelmed and lost and alone. And so that kind of led me to to want to keep going and to want to really talk more about this and, you know, bring up bigger issues, not just like the little stuff that happens in my house, not these little like micro battles that I'm fighting um, for equality, but also like the bigger battles that we're fighting all of us together. Can you say more about the bigger battles? Because yeah, that sounds important. I know there's so many. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I think, I mean, the big, you know, obviously there's huge political battles we're all fighting right now. Um, No need to say that. But for me, I think the the kind of bigger battle, at least of the topics that I, I talk about a lot, is like this: the way that mothers and fathers are treated differently, judged differently. Um, uh, I mean, those are the main things: treated differently and judged differently, but also not given the same opportunities and different expectations. I mean, I think all of that really plays into why moms are so overwhelmed. And, um, you know, really, I think a lot of moms like they're just totally drowning in this role and all of their other roles. And so, you know, I think for me, that's the bigger picture issue is like that this, the inequality around motherhood and fatherhood and the expectations 
And obviously there's a, you know, a whole scale in between there of, you know, gender fluidity and stuff. But, but I still think, you know, ultimately like in our very binary society, motherhood and fatherhood are completely different roles when I think they, they should be treated the same. So that's Mm -hmm. the kind of bigger battle I'm, I'm fighting is, is trying to really bring to light the double standards, the, the ways in which women and mothers are expected to be able to do everything. And the fathers are expected to do, I think, pretty minimal amount of, you know, obviously, yes, like provide for the family is the expectation culturally, but, um, that seems to be about it (laughs) from big picture. Like as long as a dad's doing that, he's a great dad, you know? Um, and moms have, you know, three page list of, of everything that they should be doing and, and, and they're never doing it enough or right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's my, that's my kind of calling card about all of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause just thinking about what the roles are, mm-hmm. it feels like we took the 1950s, 1960s, whatever, maybe housewife, whatever role. And we added sort of the millennial achievement focused mm-hmm. kind of role on top of that. It's sort yeah. of like we have that never went away. It mm-hmm. was sort of we just added to. Yeah. And for dads, we we didn't really teach them how to support us, what that meant for them. Their role really changed a little bit, right? Like yeah. you're saying, like, yeah. yes, we, we do a lot of we do see a lot of men today being more involved than their involved. That word is the right. one that comes right. up, oh, right? Yes. And it's as ridiculous. I say yeah. it, it's like involved is like the bare minimum for mothers, right? But mm-hmm. it's this like positive thing we say for our fathers. Right. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think you're right. Like it the because we're coming from we're starting it with such a low bar from the 1950s or you know whenever you want to compare it to that I do think like we all, no matter how feminist we are, we follow up find ourselves falling into these traps. And I mean every, like almost everyone who messages me about inequality in their household starts with like, my husband or my partner is a really great dad and he's really involved and he's really hands-on, but, and then they go to say all the same stuff that we're all feeling. And so it's like, yeah, I think there's a new given, which is like, dads should be involved. They're the dad, they're an equal parent. Like, we don't need to say that. That's not an issue, right? Like, I mean, obviously there are many fathers who aren't involved at all, but like, the bare minimum, I think, should be being involved. And let's let's work from there to make it equal, you know, which I think is for a lot of us, it's a it's a battle we have to like, it's like, I don't mean to say battle, but, it, you know, it's, it's a, something we really have to fight for. Um, it's not easy. It doesn't come naturally to our partners or to us. And I say that mm-hmm. like as someone who I, I know I'm like learning that I have really internalized the patriarchal messaging around motherhood. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think I had, but. I do have, I have found myself feeling like I have to be really sacrificial, right? Like that's been a big thing for me is unlearning that I need to like sacrifice everything to be a good mother, you know? Mm -hmm. And I knew that my mom was very sacrificial and her whole life was her children and she was a wonderful mother. And so even though I knew I didn't want to make my whole life my children, I was going to have a career and I was going to follow my dreams and I was going to do all this stuff so that my life would be separate from just being a mother, more than just being a mother, which is, you know, how I saw it as like a teenager. And I was able to do that, but I still felt like I also had to do all the things she did and make all these huge sacrifices and lose myself and give up myself. And so I think, you know, I'm also learning how to to reconnect with the stuff that makes me me and makes me fulfilled outside of motherhood. And I think learning that that doesn't make me a bad mother has been like something I've had to work on. So I think my point being that it's not, I don't, this is not me saying like, 
it's the men's fault that this is happening. I think a lot of us as mothers and as women have internalized these messages too. And we've fallen into these traps trying to be a good or a good enough mother. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really hard. Yeah, right. And I'm wondering just your experience of unlearning that because I think many of us are going through it. it. Does that come with pain? Does that come with hardship? Does it come with guilt or yeah. shame when you when you kind of um, go against that? All of that. Yeah, it comes with all of that, the guilt, the shame. I mean, I'm like, even before I was a mom, I felt guilty about every single thing I did, you know? That's such a a female um, experience of just like nothing, you know. I'm, 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 I mean, I remember my husband saying like, "You make every decision based on guilt or not wanting mm-hmm. to feel guilty," and I was like, "No, I don't." But you know, like there are so many things like I don't, I, I feel guilty if I don't do this. I feel bad if I don't do this. You know, whether it's guilt or not, like there's always this level of like, yeah, I think wanting you know, people pleasing and wanting yeah. to to do everything the right way and wanting to, you know, meet my own high standards for what my expectations Mm -hmm. for myself. And so I think that just carried right over into motherhood. And so then, yeah, I think anything that I feel is going against like that kind of template of like what a good, great (laughs) mom is, then I feel guilty about that. And I think because our societal um, image of a good mother is someone who's very sacrificial and who does everything for her children and who has, you know, created this life where she can be fully present and, you know, hands-on activities and Pinterest and, you know, crafts and all this stuff. Um, anything I do that that is not for my children, I'm having to really like fight with some of that, that guilt, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's gotten much better, but at the beginning it was really hard. Yeah. 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 I like to normalize that. Cause I yeah. think anyone who's setting boundaries, whether it's with other people or with themselves, right, we're going to actually feel some guilt. It's going to feel uncomfortable at first. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's just kind of knowing that that's going to be there and holding it and and trying to soothe it. But it doesn't really go away forever, I think. I think there's still moments I know myself where you know, I'll, I'll still feel it. Um, and I guess I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, and it, it, for me, like a big example of this was like having a social life. (laughs) Like I completely stopped having a social life when I became a mom. Um, and I think it was just because I was so overwhelmed and it was like, I had enough bandwidth for work, which is, you Mm. know, I work for myself. I'm very passionate about what I do. So like, that's really important to me. I didn't want to let that go. And then being a mom and, you know, so between, you know, like take bare minimum taking care of my body, right? Like <laughs> exercising as much as I could or whatever, going to appointments. So like that was, that's all I had the bandwidth for. And so yeah. any sort of social stuff was just out of the question. And it wasn't until like, I guess like four, four or five years in that I really started to like find a, you know, mom community of mom, a group of mom friends. And, um, it's been a real journey for me to like leave and go out and do things with them. And now that's like a huge part of my life and I do it a lot. And I mean, it's probably like once a week I'm doing something social with my, just me and my friends. And, um, you know, that was a huge part of my life before motherhood was like my, my friendships were like some of the most important things to me. And I completely lost that. So like first, as I first started making time for that, like the guilt every time I left my kids was like Hmm. horrible, you know, I just felt so bad. And I felt, you know, leaving Ben all alone with them and, uh, you know, I mean, it was just like, cause I hardly ever left. So it was like, it felt really scary and really bad. And then 
now it's like, you know, a non-negotiable. <laughs> it's like, well, my friends, my, my kids totally get it. And they love my friends. They know them, you know, and they're a lot of their friends, mothers. And so, you know, now it's like this wonderful, I think, example for my kids um, to see mm-hmm. how important it is to have friendships, you know, all the good things we all know about when you do something for yourself, how much it can benefit your family. Yeah. Um, but like, that's an example, I think, of just like, kind of unlearning the the sacrificial motherhood example and realizing that like a mother can be a whole person who loves her children and cares for mm-hmm. them and also loves her friends and cares for them and also loves her partner and cares for him, you know, whatever. And and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it, as you said, it's, it's a huge journey and there's a lot of, you come up against a lot of um, resistance, internal resistance, I think, mm-hmm. or at least I have to mm-hmm. making changes that ultimately benefit the family and me. Yeah. And I want to like also put some of that responsibility off of us, off of mothers, because part of it, right, can be, it's hard for me to leave because it's hard for me to trust my partner to really manage all of it, manage their feelings, manage the mental load, right? And so like when people talk about self-care, I think self-care can be so tricky because we really need community care. We We can't really take care of ourselves without others stepping in often to fill those roles. So what's that been like? And what, what mm-hmm. would you like to share about that with yeah. when you step out? How, what's the what's that like for your husband maybe to step in more, lean in more? You know, it's funny because in our dynamic, he thinks it's much easier for him to parent when I'm not around. Maybe that's common. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think because I am so much the default parent and the preferred parent for our kids because of the way that our life is set up. You know, he, like I said, I work from home for myself, so I have a much more flexible schedule. So I've been able to be with them a lot more. He has um, a really intense work schedule and he's not around as much. And so, you know, that dynamic has, has led very easily to me being the default and, and the highly preferred parent. So when I'm, when we're both around, it is hard for him to parent because they mm-hmm. come to me for everything. And it's hard for me for that reason too. Sure. Um, when I'm gone, it's, really easy. You know, I mean, he puts them to bed with no problem, you know? I mean, that wasn't always the case, but now it is. And, you know, they have a much easier time. They come to him for things. He's able to be a more um, present parent when I'm not around. So it's been really good for everybody. And, you know, in fact, like I try to leave more now (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is so good for them. It's so good for him. He needs this experience being the primary parent, the default parent, and they need to see that they can trust their dad to do things for them. And that, he can do them well. I'm not the only one who knows how to do things the right way, you know? So, um, I wish I'd started doing this a lot earlier. I wish I had pulled off the bandaid, I guess, you know, when they were younger, I think again, like there were so many dynamics in our family that made that really, really hard. So I'm not like blaming myself, but I think, um, you know, that's something that I encourage moms to do now if they can. Um, but going back to the kind of the village, you know, the community care, um, you know, we do have some family nearby, which is helpful, but, um, I've like, we've really leaned on, like I started getting babysitters. That was again, another journey that took me a really long time. Cause I was like, really, I thought no one else could put my kids to sleep in the world except mm-hmm. me and, you know, all of these things. But I've, um, I've really started looking outside of our home for help. And that's been again, another journey, but huge. And, and to feel like, you know, now we have like it's taken a long time. I mean, you know, my kids are seven and four, but now I have like four or five babysitters I can call mm. and I trust them all and they're wonderful and the kids love them. And things like that have been huge in order, you know, in, in kind of moving us towards this place where I am able to be a person <laughs> too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with a life outside the home. 
I don't know if I may have gotten off track with your question, but no, I guess as you're, yeah. as you're saying that it's making me think about like how intentional and how much work we really have to do to make it happen. Right. It doesn't, we're not handed all of the support. I mean, again, it, it often does come down to mothers having to advocate and, you know, challenge themselves and challenge their partners and do a lot to yeah. make things work. And yeah. I think just kind of naming that, you know, that, that, that kind of stinks. Like that's yeah. not, that's unfortunate, right? Because how vulnerable are we as new mothers? Like it's yeah. the most vulnerable time, right? Right. Where we kind of, we actually probably need folks to come toward us. And yet it often means we, we're starting from this isolation place, starting from this frustration place, and then having to kind of reach out to survive. Yeah. And I think that's another double standard or maybe not double standard, but inequality in that like, in order to get help, we have to spend our time and energy and our mental, especially at the beginning when we have very little, um, you know, stamina for any of anything except taking care of our children. We have to use that energy to find the help. And, you know, I think in my case, like I, my husband didn't, you know, he didn't feel the mm -hmm. same need for it because why would he, he's not around as much. He didn't need the breaks because he was getting them. And so, you know, it was kind of on me to find the childcare. And, and, and until I was ready for that, until I had the bandwidth and the energy to actually like spend some time finding people and getting ready for them, you know, and still when babysitters come, I'm still like preparing food ahead of time and getting things cleaned up oh, and getting yeah. organized and I'm scheduling with them and I'm paying them, you know, it's still, and also like, I know I'm very privileged to be able to pay babysitters and you know, all of that, there's, you know, that's, it's not a solution. It's not, right. babysitters are not a solution to the fact that we are trying to do it all by ourselves or that we have to in many cases. Um, you know, we, I mean, we, I've found a really great in-home daycare where both of my kids have gone and you know, that it's like this woman who has two high school kids and like, they become like our, you know, it's, I'm like, anybody in your family can help out with this weekend? Like who can help? You have so many people, you know? Um, and so I do think that like, you know, a lot of people say like, you have to make your village and, you know, ours may be a paid village in a lot of ways. And it's been, it's taken, you know, seven years to find it, but like that has helped. But again, I think that's ridiculous that we get, it takes us seven years to find yeah. enough help to like be people again. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, all of this, I'm saying all of this is like, this is what's helped me, but I, I'm also really pissed off that this is what it takes to like, you know, that it's taken me seven years to, to get to a point where I can like have friends, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. So yeah. <laughs> I say all this, like knowing that where it comes from, I think is really messed up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that, that anger that you're, mm -hmm. that you're talking about, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with it. They don't yeah. want to feel it. I can't, what do I do with that anger? What, you know, I, it's easier sometimes to kind of kind of deny all of this because it can feel right this idea of ignorance is bliss but I, I don't know if it's actually bliss but maybe it's there's less conflict um so I'm wondering what that's like for you to like hold this anger and kind of how you channel it or what you do with it because it's something yeah. I'm I'm always trying to kind of think about yeah um you're so insightful. <laughs> how can you tell how angry I am? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, the comics, like that's where the, you know, and having this Instagram account where I can kind of like, at first it was shouting into the void and then, you know, now shouting into a community um, who gets it and also cares and wants to fight for it. But yeah, I think that's where I, I well, I've been channeling in two places. Yeah, I think Instagram and, and that community and trying to speak up and make comics that really help other people kind of get to the root of some of this or look at their own relationships or make changes in their own lives. I mean, that's been really important to me. Um, but also just like really working on making 
actual changes in my own household. Like I, mm. I feel like gender equality starts in the home. I feel like it starts on an individual basis. You know, I think um, I want my kids to see our household as yeah. an egalitarian household. And so, you know, I think the only way that this next generation will be different is if we all model it, you know, and that's easier said than done, but I'm really working on it. And I think um, my commitment to that, like on a small scale mm-hmm. is just like, raising my son and my daughter, I have one of each, raising them both um, to have the same opportunities and to, to see ideally what it would be like if a mother and father share the mental role, load. Now, it's, we're on a journey and we're not there yet. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I want them to also see me kind of working towards that and fighting for that for everyone. You know what I mean? I talk about it a lot. And they, they can't help my daughter made her own mom life comic recently. And I was like, I'm not, you know, it was like, she gets it. Like they, they understand, um, why it's important to treat everyone equally. And <laughs> I'm hoping that that will, I mean, that's one place I channel it is trying to like actually make change, um, in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing because it's, uh, you know, I'm the feminist mom, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and like sort of how we talk about these things at our home. I've got two boys yeah. and one's 11. And so he yeah. gets a lot more. Um, and so I just want to like sort of laugh with you about how it, it can be kind of tricky, sort of what they pick up. And, you know, especially if we have done some work and they see their father doing some things that, you know, like, what are you complaining about, mom? Like, yeah. he's doing this and he's doing that. And, you know, kind of what they see versus what we know is, in, again, invisible. How do you make that the invisible load visible to our children without burdening them, without making it sort of overkill? I think that's a tricky why, uh, line mm-hmm. to walk. Yeah. I'm wondering if that I mean, feels oh, that way. really hard for me. I think, you know, trying to speak up for myself and make, like you said, the invisible visible does mean like a lot of conversations and we don't have a ton of time when our kids aren't around. So sometimes those conversations happen in front of our kids and it's really hard to try to keep, you know, I don't want to be projecting this, like dads do nothing, moms do everything feeling. Um, and I don't, you know, that's not what I, I feel, but I'm, I'm trying to make sure that doesn't happen. And so there's a constant kind of like push and pull that they can't help but be aware of. And so, yeah, it's like, I don't want to screw them up. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, um, it's okay. Well, we can, we can repair that. Yeah. There's there's Um, therapy for that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, oh yeah, we'll all be in therapy, but, um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a hard balance. I don't think I have it yet at all, you know, but, um, if anything, I just, I don't want to see them. I don't want them to see me rolling over and just giving up, which is, I feel mm-hmm. like what happens in a lot of relationships, at least from what I've heard is people who just say, you know, it's too hard. It's not, I'm never going to change. I'm just going to do it all. Like I, I will not settle for that. I don't think I should. I don't think my husband wants me to, I don't think it would be good for anybody. And I, you know, I say all this, like, I love my husband so much. And that's why, you know, otherwise I would just like, I think there's a lot of women who write to me who are like, that's why he's my ex. And I'm like, sounds like for you, that was the right decision for me. That's not the right decision. You know, Mm -hmm. like I, I know that we can make change in our relationship. I'm willing to continue to work on that. And so I want my kids to see that too. You know, I think there's a lot, um, 
There's a lot there. Yeah. You know, but I just, I, I always want to make it really clear that like, I think that, you know, every person in a relationship where they feel like things are unequal has their own decision to make about that. I feel very clear about my decision that I love my husband and our relationship isn't broken, that our culture, our cultural expectations are broken and that we have really fallen into that trap and that yes. we can get ourselves out of it, but that it takes a lot of work. And so that's kind of how I feel for us. But I know that for some relationships, it's not worth it for mm-hmm. people to stay in it. So I just want to say that, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing husbands or that I think that people should, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, but it's but that's kind of, journey. yeah, that's the like reaction. Like let's say the, the patriarchy, yeah. folks who've internalized it to kind of keep us in line is right. to say, you're, you're bashing your husband. Why are you putting all of the, I'm sure you've gotten tons oh, of yes. backlash, right? Cause that's, that's what happens, right? They try to keep us in line. Um, but I, I guess I kind of want to ask a little bit about what almost what we talked about in the beginning of the experience of going from kind of a more equal egalitarian relationship prior to <clears throat> becoming kind of more somehow traditional um, in our roles. Um, what do you think is sort of making that happen? What in the culture you know, because it, it's not necessarily an individual thing that's happening. It's something that's happening. The culture is sort of bringing us into these roles. What What do you think is at play here? Well, I mean, I think there's obviously so many things. But I think in my experience, at least from the – I feel like a lot of our structures of our – our cultural structures have yeah. led to this. So, right? So, I mean, we did have a situation where my husband got parental leave, um, which was great. But, um, he actually, he, he had 12 weeks and didn't feel comfortable taking all of it with our first, it wasn't until our second that he took all of it, but he only took eight because he thought like, cause there was like a weird judgment in the office for any men who took all of it, you know? So yeah. like, I think there's a lot of, um, I think the way our parental leave is set up in our country really sets most families up for if the mom is the one who's home mm-hmm. starting down, down this road, starting down this, um, this path to a more traditional roles, right? Because the mom, if she's home more, is obviously the one who's setting up all the systems, who's learning all the, men- all the stuff that goes into the eventual mental load of caring for children and families. So, um, you know, I think that we, I was able to take, because I work for myself a little bit longer. So although my husband was home, there was still, you know, he still went back to work earlier and I was still kind of the one with the flexible schedule doing the primary kind of caregiving for a long time after he went back to work. And I think any time that one parent is home with a child longer, which is in our culture, mostly usually the mom, they're going to start to take on more and more of the household um, load. And so that was, I think that's one issue. I think, um, you know, the cost of childcare in our country, I think that a lot of, and again, the cultural expectation around who will stay home if a family can't afford childcare, that often falls on the mother um, or, you know, because women don't get paid as much on generally, yeah. like then their job is the one that pays less. So if someone has to right. leave, you know, I mean, there's all these huge cultural reasons mm-hmm. that these traditional, it's almost like our culture is, or our society is still set up for the traditional gender roles, despite saying that, you know, we've moved past that. And so I think that all these kind of subtle, quiet forces push you in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also the kind of just the cultural um, expectations and you know, all of the judgments that you feel as a mother that also kind of push you in these directions. Like this is, you know, like all the, for instance, all the school stuff, right? The PTAs and the paperwork and the going to the events and stuff. It's all other mothers there. So if you don't go, you feel like you're a deadbeat. 
or it's, you know, where is she? Um, it's, you know, everyone's reaching out to the moms, whether or not you put them on the first contact on the school forms, you know, they're still getting called first. There's all these expectations that the mom is the one who handles everything. And I think if you push back against that, you start to, you can feel sometimes like you're being judged for it, like you're a bad mom, um, like you're not doing enough, like all the other moms are doing it. Why aren't you? You know, I think there's just so many expectations that just slowly kind of eat away at you, even if you felt like, you know, like I, I really like, I really had to be like, okay, I'm going to let my husband's name is Ben. I'm going to let Ben take the kids to their annual physicals. And like, that's okay. He can do that. But like, I always, I've always done it. And so there's a part of me that feels like I'm like a bad mom if I'm not there, you know, I'm not there to like say anything or ask questions, but like, he can do that. But, but let's stop mm-hmm. there because I think that that, I agree with you on yeah, all of yeah, the, cult, yeah. I think those are all important. Yeah. And one thing I don't hear us talking about so much is kind of the, the hypervigilance that I think women are trained to have to be thinking about all the things that could go wrong, all the things that we need to know and ask the doctor and wonder about because we feel responsible because we are on the chat rooms or on the Facebook groups or whatever, and other we're listening to other moms and learning about what other things could be going wrong. Yes, you know, it, it it stops at us. And even again, my super wonderful involved involved <laughs> yeah. husband, it's I think doesn't always ask the questions, doesn't always think of the worst case scenarios or things that I think a lot of moms carry. And I'm wondering if we could sort of talk about like where that comes from. Like, I feel like that must come before we even are pregnant. Like yeah. that yeah. responsibility, that attunement that we need, that hypervigilance. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't really even know. I mean, I know some of it, like for me, when I trace some of it back, it started, I can clearly trace back to when it started during pregnancy, right? Right. Like, because it was my body and I was yes. trying to learn everything. And also like, I was one who like procured all the baby clothes. So like, I knew the sizes and like, cause I was like more into that, you know, and you can tell yourself like, oh, he just doesn't care about baby clothes. And I do. Right. But like, I think there are all these things like that, that are small along the way. Um, or like making the registry. Like yes. I got really into that, asked all my friends, what do we need? And he didn't know it was on our registry. Right. So like, all of that, I think, leads to like moms, like you say, like having all this little attention to detail because they've been, since the second they found out they were pregnant, they've been paying attention to all the details. And so it just kind of becomes like a part of our brains. But you're right. I mean, I'm sure it starts before. And maybe it's from seeing our mothers do it or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know my mom was the one who thought about all the little things. Do you have this? Did you do this? You know, she was helping with all the homework and, you know, um, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Have you planned a wedding? Did you plan? Oh, yes. Yes. Great example. Yes, absolutely. I did everything for our wedding. And I think there's like, I, one of the reasons I did was because I told myself, I just care more about it. He doesn't really care. Like he picked care about the food and the music, right? Like everyone says like, he cared about these two things and he picked them. He said, I could do everything else. And so you're right. I mean, I think there is some sort of, we take it, we take it on, right? We like the planning and the follow through and all the little details. But I guess it's like, when does that go back to elementary schools go back to childhood like yeah yeah right like and why do we care about these things right like right. we take it as like oh well you care that your house looks beautiful or organized mm-hmm. that's that's a that's vanity that's like what mom why do why do you care i don't care about that and i think it then justifies the work that we do because somehow we care i think we're measured on these yes. things right your wedding like 
you people assume that the choices you made or you know were somehow a reflection of you not your husband he was he showed up and he looks nice and all of that i think same thing with you know if our kids are going into school and they're not wearing the appropriate sized clothes mm-hmm. that feels like a reflection on us from yeah. society where dad got the kid to school and they're dirty whatever how that's okay how cute right yeah. that he did that so i think sometimes the, thinking about the things we're told oh we just care about that more or we're evaluated on that stuff yeah you're so right that's exactly what it is and from from the time that we're young right and we see our mothers also being evaluated on that i mean that's like such a big thing my mom you know was like and still is crazy about her home being clean right like mm-hmm. if there's like it just means vacuuming every day like all these things that like i have not done and have chosen very carefully not to do but but, you know, like that, the, the apologizing to the state of her house, no matter what it looked like, every time someone walked in the door, my entire childhood, like I see myself doing that. I'm having to make a conscious effort now to like yeah. not say, oh, you know, so sorry about the house, such a mess. Like I'm, I'm like really fighting that because I don't want to be that person because um, right. I don't want to perpetuate that belief because I don't think it reflects on a woman. And yet I am like, it's so intrinsically like built into my DNA to, to apologize for the state of my home, you know? I, and I think- mm-hmm. There are so many things like basically that's all of being a woman, right? It's like just like all of these things that we're told are value that just plainly aren't and that men do not ever associate with their value. I mean, that's a big, my husband and I are always kind of fighting about like that, you know, like the state of the house and why, like who who cares? It doesn't matter, you know? Like, so this morning, this is a great example. My son started preschool this morning, two weeks after my daughter started school. So it's just like the scheduling, you know? Um, And he's our second kid. And, you know, we've done this, been at this preschool forever. And so like, I just completely forgot to get him like a first day of school outfit. Like my daughter, we went shopping. We got her like a whole like amazing little outfit. And every year of her life, she's gotten that. And last year we went and did that for him. And I wanted him to have that special experience. And we did go shopping. Like I had them both and I got her an outfit, but we didn't see much for him. So I was like, we'll go back and get something for you. And I just completely forgot. And this morning we woke up and I was like, Oh my God. You know, who cares? Like, he has tons of clothes. It's not about that. It's just more about that experience of him, like, feeling like he's in something special. And so I went and said to my husband, like, I just completely forgot to get Teddy a new day of school outfit. And he was like, who cares? And I was like, well, I care. He's like, that's, that's ridiculous. He like, it almost like I felt like he was criticizing me for caring. Hmm. And this, I mean, you know, no one at the school knows what his new clothes, whatever. Like, it's not about, this is not about society. This is more about me. But I immediately felt like I'm a bad mom. Like I just, my poor second child, I'm such a horrible mother. I've completely forgotten about him. And yet he, it was not even on his radar that kids would want a new outfit for the first day of school. He doesn't take the first day of school pictures. He doesn't, Mm -hmm. he's not the one dropping them off. He's not the one getting them dressed. Like none of that is on his radar. And he thinks it's silly to worry Mm -hmm. about it. And so like, not only do I then feel like, I failed, but also like I'm stupid for caring, right? Not, I'm not saying it's his fault, but like I go through all this in my head and I'm like, I can't believe it. And then I'm trying to find him an outfit that feels like new. So he'll feel excited, you know? And it's just, there's like on a daily basis as a mother, yeah. there's like a little internal justifications and judgments and then kind of coming back from that. And it's okay that I just think dads don't have, you know, mm-hmm. there's none of that. Like, did I, am I a bad parent? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe there's some of that for some, but you know, at least in my situation with my husband, like, He's not walking around worrying if he's a bad dad. He thinks he's a great dad. He's happy with his his how he's doing, and like that's yes. in the story. Yes, yeah, it, it's su- it's such a privilege, right? That's where we talk about, right? Like that's a privilege to yeah. to to navigate the world 
feeling like with the good dad sticker on. I kind of talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think my husband has it too. He's a yeah. good dad sticker, a good husband sticker. And he and yet like no matter what, we're not I'm not perfect. And so every time I'm not perfect, yeah. I feel that. Like I feel yeah. like ouch, like that I messed up. I you know, and mm-hmm. right, I think we have ways of of managing that and coping with that. But yeah, I think yeah. um you know, you even talked about the magic that we're supposed to make, right? Not only like that's what that is. Like first yeah. day of school, magic memories, right? Yeah. Like that's such a responsibility that that's not just getting them out the door. It's like I have to. This is their childhood, and I think we mm-hmm. we are thinking about probably much more deeply. And so that's one of the I don't know the the counterbalances. I think I I'm hoping more dads take on is like take on a little bit more of the hypervigilance. Can you take on more of the worry? Right. Can you take on more of the magic? Um, right. Is that I – mean, Yeah, I think the yeah. frustration, right, as a, as a, a mom or the, the, part, the female partner in the relationship is like – you know, it's like uh, – remember that movie, The Breakup, with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn, where it's like, I want you to want to do the dishes. Yes. I don't know if people remember that. I know That's that scene. Me. Yeah, that scene yes. is so good. And like, I want you to want to make the magic. Like, why don't you want to? Right. And I think there is this feeling of like, maybe because women have just done it for so long that like, maybe my husband just knows the magic will be there. He knows like, no Mm -hmm. matter what, I'll make the magic. So he doesn't have to worry about it. But like, I want him to care about the magic. I want Mm -hmm. him to, you know, and I know that everyone had like, right, like his childhood was different. He's coming from a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And like, I know all that from like a, you know, therapy standpoint, like, um, but yeah, there's a sense of like, I want you to want to do the stuff that matters Mm-hmm. Or that I think, you know, maybe he doesn't think it matters, but like that, that, that can impact a child's memories or their experience, you know, like, and I think that you can't force another person to care, but I do think what gets frustrating is when you know that the reasons that you, someone does or doesn't care is often from external expectations, you know, yeah. like if, if the magic was up to the dads, they would care, you know, mm-hmm. if like their kids weren't going to have any magic unless they did it they would do it because, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately, like, I think most of these dads are wonderful dads who do want their kids to have yeah. magical childhoods, but they don't have to think about it because the cultural expectation is that the moms will, you know, so or it's, they it's, think yeah. about it in very, in like maybe more sort of traditional masculine ways. Ma- magic is building mm-hmm. the tree house or riding the bike mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, again, we have mm-hmm. these templates yeah. that I think we're trying to figure out how do we um, share them? How do yeah. we change, you know, change them? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's like, for me, it's so much of this is that my experience is just has been so not what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, um, and I think I also had this interesting, you know, when I was growing up, my parents were divorced and my dad was like a very atypical dad for our time. Like, because he was, you know, a single dad for a lot of, you know, I mean, he got remarried, but like we he was, he learned how to be a dad completely on his own to three kids. So like he was so, so fun and played with us. And just like his, I mean, it was, you know, I hate to say like he was very involved, but but for that time, especially like, I don't know any other dads who are as involved as he was. I mean, he was just, you know, like more like Mm. a mom in a lot of ways. And so I think I also had that. I came from that. Mm. And so and then I'm, I'm in an egalitarian relationship. That was the dad I had. So that was kind of my expectation. So, and then, yeah. you know, I think, again, despite my husband being a wonderful, involved, hands-on husband and father, like, it's just the expectations were so different than what actually ended up happening to us. And I think that's where, like, it sets you up for this real sense of disappointment or anger or frustration. And you're looking for, like, 
you know, where did this, why did this happen? Where did this come from? And you're really trying to find kind of all these reasons. And I think they are so, so multifaceted that it's really hard when you start digging because you start to just realize like, oh my gosh, this is like yeah. bigger than I could ever begin to wrap my head around. You know, I'm trying. <laughs> but trying. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the goal of the podcast. Yes. Not to maybe, maybe we can't solve it, but yeah. can we combine our knowledge and experiences and things that we're all kind of piecing together maybe on our own and have a fuller picture um, mm-hmm. to continue to help more moms see the things that that we're talking about and what they're and, and have a name for it and have a way of talking about it and maybe that right all together collectively we yeah. can be pushing the needle and I think we are I think yeah, that's I think we are too I mean I think the more the number of people who write to me saying like that they are working on this you know whether it's through using the book Fair Play or you know listening to mm-hmm. podcasts like yours or doing couples therapy I mean there's obviously so many ways to start to make these changes in your life but I think I'm very encouraged by the number of women who are saying like, hey, this is my dynamic too, but I'm working on it now. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I think before, maybe even, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, it was like, even if you were kind of awakened to the the dynamic, people still felt, didn't do, weren't able to really do much about it. I feel like there's so many Mm -hmm. more resources now for starting to make these changes or even just, you know, places to look online to learn more about it, which I don't even think there was as much. I mean, there's, this has always been a conversation, but I think it's gotten really pushed to the forefront of like millennial women, which is good. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Well, I could keep talking to you forever. This is so lovely, um, but I don't want to take any more of your time. So why don't you tell us all where we can find you? Yeah. So my, my website is marycatherinestar.com. It's S-T-A-R-R. I'm sure it'll be written in all the show notes. Yes. Um, and then it's Mom Life Comics. So it's Mom Life underscore comics on Instagram, which is where you can find all my all my comics and all these conversations, lots more of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you. This has been really wonderful. And yeah, I also could talk about this for weeks on end, <laughs> nonstop. So it's been great. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. That's the show. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Feminist Mom Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Mary Catherine Starr. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review. It really helps to reach out to more future listeners. You can find me on Instagram at feminist.mom.therapist or on my website, erinspartherapy.com. Until next time.